Welcome to the Big Hairy Podcast by clean beauty brand, The Beauty Works. The podcast that explores hair and the meaningful ways it's linked to identity, culture, ethnicity and gender. I'm Sarah Kaywood and today I'll be joined by best-selling author, beauty confidence coach and TED Talk star Lizzie Jackson-Barrett, who lost her hair overnight at the age of 40. It was my birthday, so I was, and I was making it look all curly and lovely. And then I just found this bald patch. It was like about the size of an egg. We'll also be joined by Danny G, a beauty positivity influencer and makeup artist who has had alopecia since she was one. Well, I was only one and a half year old, so I was pretty much a baby when mm-hmm. mine started. It was like a little 20 pence piece size little patch right on the top of my head. We'll be talking cold heads. But for me, like in bed, sometimes like on the really cold nights, my head gets freezing, but that's only if there's like a little bit of a draft or something. The importance of facial hair. So when you've got no eyebrows, your sweat drips into your eyes. When you've got, sorry, we're going to get a bit graphic here. When you've got no nostril hair, your nose drips. And fabulous head jewellery. Google head jewellery and it's just all these beautiful Mm -hmm. chains and different things. This is a really inspiring episode and one you won't want to miss. Now let's meet these fantastic ladies. Danny and Lizzie, welcome to the big hairy podcast or for this one, the big not quite so hairy podcast, right? A little right? bit less hairy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and talking to us about your individual journeys with alopecia. Uh, let's get straight into it because I'm going to find this really interesting because it's not something I really know that much about, although Lizzie has told me quite a lot because we are friends. But Danny, tell us where your alopecia journey started. Well, I was only one and a half year old, so I was pretty much a baby when mm-hmm. mine started. It was like a little 20 pence piece size little patch right on the top of my head. My mum obviously noticed it and she took us to the doctors because it just kept getting sort of worse and worse. She also noticed I had a really high hairline at the back of my head and she thought it was like my bobbles or something like that that was just pulling my hair too tight and pulling it out. Mm-hmm. So she like stopped doing that. But we went to the doctors and they kind of just dismissed it and was like, oh, it's just baby alopecia. It'll go away. Yeah, it hasn't went away yet. Um, <laughs> Still a baby, just... clearly. That must be what it is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know. And it just kept getting worse and worse from there. So I started with just patches all over my head. And then I lost all of my hair. And then I lost my eyebrows, my eyelashes, and then all of my body hair as well. So... I'm completely hairless now and it's just progressed over the years. I think I've had like no hair at all since I was about 15 and I'm obviously now 23. So I've had it for pretty much all my life. So now Lizzie, obviously we'll come on to your story, but you lost yours when you were 40. Yeah. Danny, I can't imagine. Like I think, oh God, it's going to be traumatising at any age. And I think you've both really found the joy in it, which is wonderful. I think you are just wonderful adverts for how to own it you know when you were kids Danny were other kids unkind I mean kids just have got no fucking filter have they they just say what comes into their head and did that happen a lot and how did you cope with it I suppose when I was younger it wasn't really me dealing with it it was more my mom and dad because Mm -hmm. I was so young that I just didn't really know what was happening but then I did get to an age where I started to like recognize that people were looking at me a bit more different than Mm -hmm. other people so I would always wonder like why am I getting stared at and my friends aren't? Why am I so different? So 
it got to a point where I would ask the questions and my mum would always just be there for us and kind of guide us through it as best she could because it was just as much a learning curve to her as it was to me like obviously both of you have kids and imagine it just sort of being laid on you that's mm-hmm. kind of what it was like for my mum but I suppose as I got older in a way it did get a little bit harder because I started to recognise that I was different and it was trying to accept that and just own it basically <laughs> but I think to be honest I've had a quite an all right journey with it I didn't get bullied majorly or anything like that which is really good because I've mm-hmm. heard some absolute horror stories from some people but like my school years were all right there was obviously name calling and when I would go on holiday people would be asking if I had cancer mm-hmm. and then more like this age now it's like social media comments mainly especially <sighs> just with my platform at the minute yeah there's always one isn't there oh the <laughs> fucking keyboard warriors they piss me off sooner they change yeah. the laws around getting a social media account which I do think they will do the better but it's Definitely. like you said there's always one and it is usually a tiny minority isn't it that that I have to have a pop mm-hmm. because they're wankers yeah. basically mm-hmm. um and Lizzie what happened to you when did your alopecia journey start well yeah it's my 40th birthday party that is bonkers oh, I know right makes for a good story though <laughs> yeah it really but does. yeah no I was getting ready to go out for you know dinner with the girls for my birthday and I had really thick curly hair and I didn't usually put the effort in to make it look nice but mm-hmm. it was my birthday so I was and I was making it look all curly and lovely and then I just found this bald patch it was like about the size of an egg just above my right ear and I remember the first sensation I had was the feeling of cold fingertips on my scalp and thinking oh that's Mm. I'm not used to that what's that feeling that's weird it was almost the other way around it was feeling my fingers rather than feeling the baldness and immediately I I knew like you know the size of an egg it's not tiny right it's big enough for you to know this isn't right so I went off my birthday dinner and like hid it under a ponytail and panicked the whole time and within two months I'd lost all the hair on my head and about two months after that I'd lost hair everywhere else my eyelashes and my eyebrows and you know also my leg hair and underarm hair and everything else so permanently spa ready is always quite nice Mm -hmm. but I (laughs) mean I have to say I cried over my eyelashes probably more than I cried over the hair on my head because it just felt like I'd kind of gone through this whole thing and I had a bald head and I had to come to terms with it then I was like okay I'm finally getting somewhere with this and then my eyelashes went and for me when my hair fell out I really kind of started wearing more makeup and I had this sense that I wanted to still look like a girl and it really bothered me that I might not so I you know I went and got Russian lashes done and everything else so my eyelashes falling out really felt like kind of that last bit of femininity being pulled away from Mm me. So yeah, that was the beginning of the whole journey for me, which I'm 44 now, so it's only four years ago. But having said that, to listen to Danny, and this is all she's ever known, and she's grown up with no Mm. hair, it's such a, a different experience, isn't it, than kind of reaching adulthood and then losing it and I've always said I'm really grateful I didn't have to navigate kind of my teenage years and and my 20s kind of looking different from everyone else I think Danny's incredible that the way she's kind of got this platform and she's showing everyone what she does and what she looks like and I just think I can't imagine either of you with hair you just (laughs) this is you this is intrinsically and actually Lizzie I have seen pictures of you with hair yeah. And I don't recognise you. Isn't that no. funny? And I don't think I recognise <laughs> me anymore when I see those pictures. It just yeah. it's not me. 
Can I ask, because you guys are probably the authority, why does it happen? Does anybody know? I never did ask, because obviously I knew Gail Porter in the 90s, and I never did ask Gail what happened. I always assumed with her, because she has been quite open about her mental health struggles, that it was all caught up with that, and it was some sort of, I don't know if stress alopecia is a thing, but does anybody... Do the doctors know anything about it? What happens? No, you can see us both shaking our heads and I don't know if Danny's really? kind of got different answers to, to what I've got. But essentially, as far as I know, nobody really knows very much about it. Um, it is an autoimmune condition. So in other words, your immune system is literally turning on your hair follicles and seeing them as the enemy. You're more likely mm -hmm. to have any autoimmune condition if you've already got one or someone kind of in your family's got one. Um, mm -hmm. So you're more likely to get alopecia if you have, say, I don't know, hay fever. Or lupus or something like that. Anything yep. autoimmune, exactly. Yep. Right. The doctors kind of threw the word stress at me a few times, but I wasn't especially stressed when my hair fell out. And I think that's just kind of code for we haven't got a bloody clue. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard Danny, anything differently, you, Danny. You were one. I, I don't know very many yeah. stressed one-year-olds. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That was the thing. Like we went to the doctors and it just says it all of how dismissive they were. And by them just saying, oh, it's baby alopecia, it'll go away. Like that just tells you everything you need to know because... They didn't really care about it, to be honest, because obviously I'm I'm healthy at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not going to die with it or anything like that. They do look at us as healthy people and kind of not a priority. So mm -hmm. there's definitely not enough research or anything that goes into it to know what happens. Obviously, stress gets thrown about. But mm -hmm. like you've said, as a one-year-old, what have I got to be stressed <laughs> about? <laughs> Where your next rusk is coming from. Where's my rusk, exactly. goddammit, mother? <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, Danny, I've got two really different stories here, which is what makes it so interesting to talk to you both, because you're coming at it from such different places. Because obviously, Danny, you're, it's all you've ever known. So I can't really ask you, how did it feel when you lost your hair? I suppose I could ask you, how would you feel if you suddenly, your hair suddenly started to grow? Would you let it grow in? Or is this you now? Are you like, well, no, I I kind of, I'm used to this. Yeah, I don't know if I'd like it, to be honest. Mm. Like, I've reached a point now where I don't care if I get my hair back or not. I think it's hard to hold on to hope and then it'd be a very slim chance. So I'm fully accepting of the fact that I'm probably never going to have hair now. And that's fine. Like, mm -hmm. I don't really want it, to be honest, because I'm comfortable how I am. Like, I've learned how to do my makeup, how to put on my wigs, like, Wigs are so fun, so why would I really want, like, hair? And also the other day, I tried to, like, sleep in my wig and, like, wash it. And it's such a chore. I can't deal with wet hair, like, on your head and things like that. Mm. It's just too much of an adjustment for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy as I am now, I think. <laughs> do you not put your wig on a blockhead? I do usually, but I try and switch it up to just see what it's like and try and give it like a go as being like a proper hairy person but I'm just it's I'm a pain in the arse a lot of the time mm -hmm. it's the thing I do last before I leave the house and invariably the thing mm -hmm. that takes the longest I'm always late because of my hair it's my hair's fault <laughs> there we go um yeah. Lizzie how did you feel when within two months the person you were well did it change was that almost it's going to sound very dramatic and I don't mean it to, but it was it almost the death of the old Lizzie and a rebirth of a new one? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, and I think actually it's completely right to be using dramatic language because it felt like a really dramatic kind of journey. I don't like the J word, mm. but it did feel like a dramatic No, I, yeah, but it um, applies, doesn't it? It exactly. really does. So I'd always kind of struggled with 
my body image and worried about, you know, my weight and everything else and that I wasn't pretty enough or thin enough or blah, 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 blah. So I'd mm. always felt kind of negative about the way I looked. So initially when my hair fell out, it was like, well, I was right. I was right all along because mm-hmm. I'm never going to be beautiful now because look at me, look at my head, all this stuff I've been trying to do to look like beautiful women it's all been for nothing so my life's over and there's no point in anything it's kind of how I felt and then like Mm. you say it was I guess rebirth is probably the right word for it because what then happened was I realized that if I then accepted that I was never going to look like the women I'd spent 30 years trying to look like I may as well instead just look like me and see what that Mm. feels like and it was the beginning of me genuinely beginning to feel comfortable and then eventually beautiful in my own skin, which I never, Mm. ever could have imagined that losing my hair would be the thing that finally makes me feel beautiful after 30 years of wanting to feel like that. Mm. Actually, I found it just this really freeing experience that meant I had permission to stop trying to look like something I now never was going to look like. So yeah, completely accurate, I think, to say, a whole rebirth, a new identity, a new me. And actually, I think the me I always wanted to be. Have either of you ever struggled with your mental health as a result of your hair loss? Because, you know, you both are so amazing. I mean, and I'm absolutely awestruck with just how at peace you are. and, and, And why shouldn't you be? Because... You know, going right back to the source, what the fuck is this shit on the top of our head? I mean, what's it got to do with what's inside? I do have to but... say, I think hair is ridiculous now. I think it's such a strange and ridiculous thing. But yeah, sorry, carry on. Do you agree, Danny? Is it like hair? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's just more of an accessory, to be honest. Like, I put on a wig just to, like, match my outfits and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I kind of think, right, if aliens came and landed on Earth and were told, look, mm. most humans have this dead stuff that grows out of the top of them and they spend so much time and money and effort into trying to shape that dead stuff into a certain... They'd be like, what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. It's so ridiculous, isn't it? Our obsession <laughs> with hair. And how did your friends... So, Danny, your friends have always known you with no hair, with alopecia. Lizzie, your friends had to adapt. Was that difficult for them? Or because you know what? I'm so lucky because I've been able to spend the whole of the Big Hairy podcast asking difficult questions to people about the elephant in the room. Do you know what I mean? In a really comfortable, safe space. And it's been an absolute privilege to do that. But it's more difficult in a social environment. You know, this is what we're here to discuss. And did you find that people have been awkward about it or are awkward about it? Yeah, I'd probably say the the most awkward interactions for me, like I hate it, is like if I'm in the supermarket, for example, and I don't have a wig on and someone's kid shouts, eee, she's got no hair. And like the mom's just standing there like, shut up, like shut up. (laughs) Like, because obviously kids just no filter. Um, yeah. And it's just those kind of awkward situations that I'm like, ooh, because I don't care. But it's just the fact that I know that people are embarrassed because obviously they mm. just blurted it out and they don't know what to do and where to put themselves. But I would say to that, I mean, because obviously, you know, my children are, the youngest is now eight. So that doesn't happen as much. But I've always tried to say, like, if she said, oh, that lady's got no hair, I'd be like, yes, and doesn't she look amazing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you yeah. know what I mean? I don't want them to think 
that that's if anything i want them to think it's fabulous and exotic and different but mm-hmm. also that there is no societal norm mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and that there's room for us all in this space mm-hmm. the thing i hate more than anything else is unwanted sympathy I don't need anyone's sympathy. I like looking like this. I think I look great like this. You get a lot of the, you know, the head cocked to one side and the, oh, "Oh, poor love, poor love. Don't tell me that I deserve sympathy for looking like me because that's actually really rude if you think about it. So, you know, like Danny, I'm sure I don't mind anyone asking me about it. I'd much rather they did. But once someone has asked me about it, what I would love the next question to be is kind of, and what do you think of it? Well, how do you feel about it? So I can tell them, actually, I really like it, rather than mm-hmm. going down that route of, you know, I often get, oh, will it grow back? Or well, maybe it might do, maybe it'll grow back. Like, I don't want it to grow back. Please, God, do not <laughs> let it grow back. So, yeah, it's that kind of assumption that I hate if it. If it did grow back, would you get rid of it again? Would you shave it off? Absolutely. Like, wow. Without a doubt. That's fabulous. It just feels like this is my identity now. It's more than... Mm-hmm whether I've got hair or haven't got hair, kind of the way I look now and the fact that I am a bald woman is it's who I am and it's my identity and it's actually an identity I've really grown into and that I feel really positive in. So my hair growing back would be quite a struggle for me because it would feel a little bit like a step back into that kind of old Mm -hmm. identity where I wasn't very happy in my own skin. Mm-hmm. Because I read Lizzie the other day, you said losing your hair was the best thing that ever happened to you. Yes. I can't remember where I read that. Was there an article or something? And I was like, fucking get in, woman. I was interviewed for a feature in The Telegraph, and that was the headline. Mm. Going bald at 40 was the best thing to ever happen to me. And it was a direct quote. They were the words that came out of my mouth, and I absolutely Mm. stand by it. And I know they say you should never read the comments, but I always do. Don't read the comments. I know, don't read the comments, but I can't help it. It's like, oh, I can't look away. And what happened when you read the comments? Were you depressed afterwards? No, the comments were lovely there were really really lovely comments I was struck by one woman who said you know it's great that she feels positive but come on best thing that's ever happened to her I think that's a bit of a stretch and I replied to her I wrote this whole long reply I said you know what I would feel the same if I was you if I hadn't been through this and I was watching this woman Mm -hmm. and she was saying I love it I would find it really hard to understand too but and then I wrote this whole thing about how (laughs) my life is better as a result of losing my hair So, yeah, I thought that was kind of understandable that for somebody who hasn't been through my journey to think that Mm. I'm just talking out of my ass to say, I'm so glad (laughs) I lost my hair. I don't want it to grow back. But Mm -hmm. but everything that you do, both of you, everything that you do and everything that you're about is sort of tied in with how you look. Is that fair to say? Danny, you're a makeup artist, aren't you? And Mm -hmm. I mean, look at that face. Lizzie, look at that face. I know, I right? I to come and do my face. Look amazing. I'm so conscious of the fact I got my eyebrows slightly wonky this evening <laughs> looking at Danny's. Because don't you find, Danny, if you get the angle slightly wrong, you spend all day either looking a little bit surprised or really angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Have either of you had, actually, I know Lizzie doesn't have semi-permanent because we've discussed it before. Have you got semi-permanent brows, Danny? No, mine are just tattoo brows. They're like a, you know, like a water sticker transfer thing oh like um like wonder brow sorry yeah. no naming but yeah yeah oh that's brilliant so you could go swimming and they wouldn't shift mm-hmm. and is there a reason that neither of you have had because um, my instinct would be like if i had to have any sort of treatment where i lost my hair or if i had alopecia same thing that happened to you guys i would go oh well the one thing i can do is get my eyebrows tattooed is there a reason why you don't do that 
Yeah, completely. I get keloid scars. And so number one, nobody will do it if you have um, keloid scars. And secondly, even Mm -hmm. if they would, like the risk of kind of getting big keloids sitting there above my eyes, you know, that maybe that might be a step too far. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But Dan has given me her top tips of the best transfer eyebrows to buy. So I'm going to be getting online and ordering some because I've never tried Mm -hmm. the transfer ones. I have to say, you're going to laugh at this. I use this term in one of the other Big Hairy podcasts, but I'll can I just say, Danny, your eyebrows are on fleek. Thank you. And you should never hear those words coming out of a 49 year old's mouth. When I went there, so fucking sue me. Um, and so is there a reason that you haven't done it, Danny? So for me, I'm too like, I just feel like trends change all the time and I'm too fussy mm-hmm. and I wouldn't trust anyone to do my brows. Because imagine like if I had something semi-permanent on my face and then I don't like them a few years later, then it's just, ugh a lot of faff so no I like to just Mm. do my own thing and not commit to a brow basically (laughs) I have to say I've been having mine done since it was like a new thing there's lots of very old colour under here my lady is very good actually and she's managed to do quite a decent brow but there is a lot of orange pigment underneath Mm -hmm. where it's and you'll never get rid of that and when I'm an old old lady I'll probably look very strange with my eyebrows but I'm going to be completely batty by then anyway and just dye my hair bonkers colours take up smoking opium and wear caftans and float around the old people's home swearing oh can I have That's in on that action yes okay. well we, we were thinking of doing like a commune so commune style old people's home where we all just take up smoking opium because why not that, now, now, you see, if we're dyeing our hair bonkers colours, then you've perhaps got to paint your head. I mean, Lizzie, I've seen those amazing jewels. Do you wear yeah. hair, like, scalp jewels? I know you do, Lizzie. Do you, Danny? No, I don't. What do you mean? Like, You need to get Googling. <laughs> head jewellery. Just basically Google oh. head jewellery. And it's just all these beautiful Ooh. chains and different things. And I um, had a boudoir photo shoot a couple of years ago to celebrate my naked head. And in that moment, my naked body that was covered in nothing but crystals and glitter, literally from my scalp to my waist. And it was just the most fun thing ever. And yeah, I really like decorating my head although I was thinking Sarah the other day I don't know if you know the answer to this Danny because I think you know more kind of bald women than I do but talking of getting old I feel like my scalp's not going to go wrinkly right scalps stay smooth right so yeah we'll kind of get wrinkly faces and smooth scalps do you think Danny I think so I know some older women and I can't recall them having wrinkly heads so (laughs) no I mean that would be weird Similarly, I'm sure you could Google like 70 year old bold lady and I bet you any money she just looks like an older lady who doesn't have any hair. I know what you mean, Lizzie. So you almost think it's an odd combination, but I bet it's not. I bet it makes absolute sense when you see a picture. Yes, you're probably right. I think I probably know the answer to these, I can guess, but what are the real shit bits? Obviously, you are beacons of brilliance, (laughs) but there must be shit bits. Yeah, for me, I would probably say kind of just the people to like some people are just really annoying so I think especially with social media at the minute there's obviously Mm. comments that you do take note of and you just can't help but take note of them like I'm someone who Mm. just cares a little bit too much (laughs) so like on TikTok one of my videos went viral and all of the comments were just vile and it's just bits like that that are awful and it just makes you like 
kind of just like question everything just feel really insecure again but question humanity surely yeah literally just like why are people actually like that i just don't understand danny that hurts my heart that makes me feel really mm. sad that you've had to go through that because you know obviously i'm social media's been around a long time but i would almost guarantee that every single person that made a negative comment is probably under the age of 30 it's almost like that's just how it is mm-hmm. and it, it shouldn't be like that and that has to stop mm-hmm. I don't quite know how we, well, going back to maybe making sure that we know exactly who it is so that people can get like excommunicated from the social media platforms if they don't know how to behave. And the thing is as well is that it's a really horrible thing to happen for Danny to have to see that and deal with that and absorb that. But actually the impact is so much bigger because what Danny is doing is so important because she is showing Mm. that young women an alternative way of being beautiful and it's so important that we see that in all shapes and forms whether it's you know to do with hair or size or disability or whatever so Mm. when Danny is bombarded with this negativity all the young women who are looking at Danny thinking oh thank goodness I feel represented here by somebody who is a little bit different from what everyone says I'm supposed to look at and then they see Mm -hmm. all these comments it shakes yeah. every single one of them as well. So somebody Definitely. thinks they're being clever or whatever to put Danny down. And actually, it has such a wide reaching impact. It makes me so angry. Yeah, I feel like I've got a, a bit of a, what what's the word? Like I owe people something. And I kind of try to not share any negativity with my platform or anything like that. Because I really feel a big responsibility to protect those people and kind of not show them that this is what some people say about you because that's just Mm going to have an awful impact on them and they're actually going to think do people actually think that about us when they've probably got so far and then just for silly comments to knock them down like I'm trying my best to not share or like out somebody with it I just try and ignore Mm. it as much as I can Mm. wouldn't it be amazing if moving forwards and and this goes for anybody who is putting themselves out there and then people are negative of actually the algorithm somehow recognizing (laughs) a negative comment and just getting rid of it just muting it just hiding it just tossing it out That would be amazing. And I reckon that could happen one day. What about the pros? I mean, surely just getting up and going. So many. (laughs) I mean, legs, for example, arms, so smooth. Like you just slip into the bed sheets and slip back out. It's amazing. All of the different wigs and makeup looks. I love that. I never thought of that before. That's so funny. I've just got an image of you (laughs) slinking into bed. And then back out of bed. Whereas Sarah's like Velcro getting into bed, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know it, sister. But is it like, you know, you could just like, if you put satin sheets on the bed, you wouldn't be able to stay in it. (laughs) Exactly. I know, I'll just whoop, whoop. (laughs) Right, so slinking in and out of bed, one. Yeah, definitely how creative you can be with it. So obviously head jewellery, wigs, Mm -hmm. makeup for me, definitely. It just means I can just decorate everything and just having like all these different colored wigs and I just feel like I've got 10 different personalities and like 10 different looks if you know what I mean so my boyfriend loves it because he can get to choose which girlfriend he wants on which day which is amazing so Fantastic. never gets bored like he's choosing an avatar on Roblox exactly. or something <laughs> so yeah they're the biggest positives for me definitely amazing what about you Lizzie well 
I'll start with some negatives, which in no way are even close to what Danny is dealing with, but they're a little bit more practical. So for me, the biggest negative is realizing the function that our facial hair has. So when you've got no eyebrows, your sweat drips into your eyes. When you've got, sorry, we're going to get a bit graphic here. When you've got no nostril hair, your nose drips. Have you got no nose hair inside your noses? No. Who'd have thought of it, right? Do you get good bogeys? I'm sorry, I have to ask that question. Yeah, no, because that's the nice ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, I'm but... glad because there's nothing better than a good pick. Oh no, we love a good pick. But what was happening yeah. was, I mean, it's gross. My nose would be running, and I wouldn't even realise. I wouldn't even feel it until it, you know, hit <laughs> my lips or something. I mean, it's gross. Absolutely <laughs> disgusting. Oh, salty goodness. I know, right? <laughs> um, and like, you know, to think about is, yeah, the function of eyebrows and nose hair. Who knew? <laughs> so, yeah. I had no idea. I yep. had no idea it about the nose running. all glamour with me, Sarah. All glamour. Sweat in your eyes. Bogies on your lips. Yeah. Stick with me, baby. It's not <laughs> glamorous. And that's why I love you, Lizzie exactly. Jackson Barry. The Beauty Works offers skincare products designed to tackle the everyday skin problems women face, from blemishes and wrinkles to dry and damaged skin. Collagen Boost serums increase skin elasticity and reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. Blemish Treat serums soothe the skin and tighten pores while providing superior hydration. And the sulfate-free facial cleanser is perfectly formulated with plant-based ingredients to keep your skin feeling soft, hydrated and moisturised. And if you're after an emergency skincare solution, try the Supercharged Serum Ampoules, a highly concentrated serum hit that gets right to the source of your skin problems in one powerful hit. Perfect for all you busy women on the go. Join the Beautyworks revolution by visiting thebeautyworks.co.uk or follow them on Instagram at thebeautyworks. That's the Beautyworks with an X. So when you lose your eyelashes, again, I just love a practical question. Like I can see that Danny has amazing eyelashes. So what do you do? How do you get lashes on? Because my understanding is you can't put fake lashes on unless you have eyelashes. Is that true? No. So I always wear fake lashes, just strip lashes. I don't have any lashes at all. But I think it's just about mm -hmm. getting the right glue trying to get that angle of them right and things like that I know a lot of people with alopecia do struggle like putting lashes on just because you've got nothing to like mm -hmm. put them on to it's kind of just like you've got to create your own lash band and put them where your normal lashes should be which takes a lot of practice it took me a lot of practice before I got it right but I think I've nailed it now mm -hmm. <laughs> she's completely nailed it completely what about you Lizzie it. do you wear fakes because your eyelashes have just grown back haven't they such a weird thing so yeah my eyelashes all fell out I cried over them I took ages to perfect what Danny's talking about which is that kind of mm -hmm. gluing on the strip lash but having no natural lashes to kind of guide you and get the position right and I found it really really hard it took me a long time to master it and then I finally got there and then they're like oh I think we'll grow back now all except the bottom of my left eye which had no lashes at all until this week when oh. they're suddenly back so I feel like maybe that means that you know I'm going to start sprouting hairs out my chin <laughs> probably those bastard hormones again exactly um, that now Lizzie I, I think have you ever worn a wig yeah I did for the first about 
six to eight months. Uh-huh. Like at, at first, I don't want anyone to be under any illusions. So I'm like, yay, my hair's falling out. My life's great. Because like it was, I went to quite a dark place for the first few months. Of and course. it yeah. was, yeah, really hard, really scary, terrified of people noticing. For me, like the scariest place in the world was the playground at pickup time. Like what if the other mums notice? And what if they're talking about me? So at mm-hmm. first, the aim was to find a wig that was as close as possible to my natural hair so that nobody would notice Mm. and so and like you know good wigs are a lot of money right Danny like the Mm -hmm. really good ones they're a lot of money how much well my first ever wig was just under 400 pounds and that was for a synthetic wig though human hair is a lot that's not even real hair no but you know my lovely nana bought it for me so that I could really mm-hmm. get the best wig I possibly could and I learned very quickly about the science of wigs and the way that the front is created to look like a natural mm-hmm. hairline and the way the scalp can show through and make it look like it's na- you know there's a lot that goes into a wig construction a lot of variables that affect the price so I went for you know all bells and whistles all singing or dancing make it look as natural as we possibly could and then after a little while when I kind of came out as bald I decided well that means actually I can probably have a bit of fun with this so I've got like this box full of I don't know I've probably got like 20 to 30 wigs in this box I never wear anymore but for about six months I went mad I went absolutely mad bought every length every color every style and um, it was funny my daughter said to me that one of her friends at school said to her how does your mum get a different hairstyle every day? Mm. And she actually thought that every day I was going off for hair extensions and then a haircut and then bleach it. and Like the Kim Kardashian of Romford. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I wore wigs for probably about six to eight months. And then when it got to my first ever summer of having no hair, I was just miserable. I was so hot and so sweaty and it was so uncomfortable. I just thought, why am I doing this? So um, that was when I started kind of going out bald and actually... I didn't really wear wigs at all after that. And I haven't worn one now for at least a couple of years. I went through the box with my daughter not that long ago, putting them on and she just went, mum, you look so weird with hair. I'm like, oh yeah, I know. I really Really? Do. Yeah. How funny. So the wigs aren't for you anymore. What about you, Danny? Are they just sort of fun for you or... Because obviously you're a makeup artist. So is it just so that you can play around with your look or do you really like having hair every now and then? Yeah, to be honest, I do. A lot of it is fun and obviously creating so many different makeup looks and things like that. But some days I just want to have hair and just like feel nice in a sense. Because like, I do have my days where I'm just like, oh, I'll just put a wig on and just remind myself who I am and just all that. And like, I don't know, it's just a bit of a comfort as well, knowing that I've got a wig there if I need one. And that's just like the, the mm-hmm. issue with today is they're so expensive. Like some of the wigs that I have are like a grand. And for somebody to have to fork that out every six months, just to feel confident and just to be able to go out the house, that's what you've got to pay Mm. basically, which just isn't fair. Which is another thing I never knew, that wigs have such a short shelf life of looking good. And if you wear them every day, yeah, it's every six months. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. I never would have imagined. I thought, you know, you buy one and 10 years later, you can still wear it. And also, presumably, the care of them as well, if you are choosing to wear them every day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was in the West End, the wig department. God, they worked so hard, but they had to really make sure that the wigs were all really well looked after when they came off us at night. Mm -hmm. And and also, you can't really 
really wash them very often, can you? Mm-hmm. I remember my wig used to smell quite choice, <laughs> but my, they were very synthetic. I was in front of the opera. It was a big Dagar red wig, like, you know, with the curls back. And like, in fact, it was why I dyed my hair red, because they made me put this auburn wig on in front of the opera, and I was blonde then. And then I was like, wow. And actually, if anything happened to my hair, if I lost all my hair, I would go, if I could afford it, wig crazy, because I'd love to know what I'd look like with jet black hair. <laughs> I'd love to know what I'd look like with... Titian hair. I would have all the fun with colour. I'm feeling like we need a date at my house and my wig box. Oh, I'm in. Okay, I'm let's in. Do it. We'll have to video right. call Danny, and then she can kind of give all the top tips for actually making the wig look look good on you. <laughs> Get it straight for a start. You're going backwards. It's really clever, isn't it? Like one of my favourite things to do in the movies when I know that, like, if it's a period movie and you've got like a, a really famous actress with a really different hairstyle, is just trying to see if you can see the lace around the hairline. Mm-hmm. But they're so clever now, aren't they? But they throw money at those wigs, don't they? So they really are good. Mm-hmm. Do you get cold, girls? Uh, yeah. yeah. They're both nodding, by the way, for the purposes of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's not very podcast friendly, is it? Both nodding. Yeah, I've been really cold. Is it true that 70% of body heat is lost through your head? Yeah, I, well, I would say so. Yeah. I don't know if Danny can relate to this because like, you've always had no hair. But for me, my first ever winter of being bald, like, I was so cold. I would wear a, a hat in bed. I would wear two hats just sitting on the sofa. And then it's funny because I feel like, I don't know if my scalp's toughened up or something. Um, <laughs> like, don't get me wrong, it's still cold. I am wearing my woolly hat mm. when I go outside. But I haven't experienced again what it was like that first ever winter. So I don't know if somehow I've kind of just acclimatised yeah. to it a little bit. Yeah, for me, I definitely feel, I feel the cold, but I don't, like I say, I don't know any difference. So I don't know if it's just normal. <laughs> but for me, like in bed, sometimes like on the really cold nights, my head gets freezing. But that's only if there's like a little bit of a draft or something. But I, I do think my head's like quite tough. <laughs> like it is quite resilient to stuff. So I do feel it, but probably not as dramatic as you would think, just because I'm used to it. Because obviously, yeah, you just don't stop to think about this is the only thing that pokes out of the duvet, isn't it? And we and we all kind of have, have hair to protect us. But yeah, the heating's off in the night, isn't it? And you're mm-hmm. damn right, it was two degrees this morning when I woke up, not in our bedroom, but I was like, you could definitely a chill in the air. And I, you would really feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, do you both have an amazing collection of hats? Do you wear? I, I've stopped wearing hats. I loved wearing hats. And I'm going to force myself to get back into wearing hats. But do you wear hats? I love a beanie. I have so many beanies in every colour. I did mm-hmm. wear headscarves for a little while at the beginning, but... I can't be asked with headscarves. Not after one <laughs> dad in the playground shouted when I went to pick the kids up and I had this beautiful black sparkly headscarf that I'd spent mm-hmm. ages watching the YouTube tutorials and I was feeling quite glamorous and I walked into the playground and he shouted, all right, Mystic Meg, come to read our fortunes of you. <laughs> and then I never wore a headscarf again. <laughs> you don't know, but who cares what he thinks? Well, I he's know, probably just but... taking the piss. Like People don't realise, do they? But then to be fair, Lizzie, even if I'd worn a headscarf over my hair, some wise ass would have said the same thing to me. Do you know what yeah, I mean? It's true, yeah. Wait, what the fuck do men know about fashion? <laughs> I have to say, in that article in the Telegraph last week, you know, when I read the comments that you're not supposed to read, there's so many lovely mm. men who really wanted to go out of their way to go into the comments and tell me that they thought I looked good. And I thought that mm. was really lovely, actually, that for every like absolute asshole who takes the time to go and put Danny down... 
there's five people who want to just take a minute out of their day to say something nice. Mm. So that meant a lot, I think. So yeah, men clearly know nothing about fashion whatsoever, but they're <laughs> quite good with the compliments. So I'll take those. Can I say quite controversially, and I sort of feel like I should warn any men listening, but I'm not actually going to, but you two have dealt psychologically so much better about losing every hair, not only on your head, but on your body, than a lot of men deal with losing a tiny bit on the back of their heads here. I mean, and actually, I think maybe that's a whole other hairy podcast episode. It's actually to get the male perspective on hair loss, because you two have owned it so well and so healthily and in such a positive way. And I just don't think that you find that when it comes to male pattern boldness. And actually that leads me on to my next point. Lizzie, obviously you're a body confidence coach. You were doing that before you lost your hair, weren't you? Or were you? No, losing my hair made me change the direction that I was going in my business. So long story, very short. So when I qualified as a coach, it was the same year that I lost my hair. So I started my coaching business and in that same year I'd got married. And like Every other bride in the history of time, I had gone on this huge diet. I'd lost five stone in a year drinking soups and not much else. So I was, you know, feeling great, qualified as a coach. I was like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a weight loss coach. I've got these great before and after pictures. I was a size 22. Now I'm a size 12. Yay. And then when I lost my hair, the first port of kind of treatment is steroids. So they gave me all these steroid tablets, which made me put weight on. I was feeling completely miserable. So I was comfort eating. So I put weight on. Mm -hmm. And so a few months after my first bald patch, I wasn't only completely bald, but I was fat again. So I was like, well, how, what am I going to do? I can't be a weight loss coach. So that was when I then went through this whole sort of, you know, the journey, there's the J word again, but you know, the whole process of learning to love myself. And that was when I started working on just kind of body confidence and supporting other women to, to feel confident in their own skin and that felt a lot more kind of authentic and something I could really speak about from experience because the weight loss thing I didn't have any real answers I'd had soups and shakes for a year and lost a load of weight there's no you know amazing coaching psychology to that whereas being able to say I do not fit any of the like society's standards of beauty and yet I look in the mirror and I feel beautiful and that means that I can help you kind of go through that same process that really felt like, you know, something I, I could do and I could do well and that I get called inspiring a lot, which sometimes it's a bit uh, throw up in my mouth and it takes a while to <laughs> to kind of own that. You know, it can feel a bit cringe to, to sort of own that. But actually what that means, it's not about me. It's about the person saying it. And what it means is somebody takes inspiration from the things I share and the things I talk about, which I'm sure, mm. you know, Danny must get as well. And so I think if we can be that person and I do it through my work, through the coaching and, you know, everything else, then what it means is that I give other women kind of a different lens to look at themselves through, basically. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's what they mean when they say that they find me inspiring is that actually they just look at themselves differently as a result of hearing me speak and, and working with me. And uh, Danny, you are mesmerising, mesmerising, I think. Uh, and do you feel beautiful? Because I'm so happy that Lizzie has found the beauty that she absolutely is. And it's taken her a long time to come to that. But do you feel beautiful? Um, some days I do, but 
as everyone does, I always have my days where I definitely don't and I wake up and I feel mm. like a rat, <laughs> basically, to put it nicely. But no, I, I have my days, definitely. And I'm at a point now where I'm content. I would use that word rather than beautiful, maybe. <laughs> Remind us how old you are again. You're only 23, aren't you? Yeah, 23. You know what? I don't know any other 23-year-olds who would say that they were content with themselves. So I think bravo you, because I suppose you've had to learn some really important lessons very quickly about aesthetics and inner beauty, outer beauty, perceptions, societal norms. How many more cliches shall I toss out there, ladies? <laughs> Come on. Uh, and, and I just think that's wonderful. And I was going to say that I think that it's actually a really incredibly positive thing. And again, really inspiring, actually, that Danny has mm. talked a couple of times today about it's not just this whole, you know, look at me, I'm this bald beauty influencer on Instagram and I'm always looking mm. great and feeling great. Actually, Danny's talked about the whole like ups and downs of life and that you've said, haven't you, mm. that sometimes you wear wigs because it's fun and it's great and sometimes because it'd be just nice to kind of be a girl with hair and just look like the other girls and sometimes you feel great mm. in your own skin and content and sometimes not so much and, and I think that for kind of, you know, the young women who are following you and watching your journey, I think that we have to be careful sometimes about sort of presenting this story of Danny and I being these two women who have embraced our hair loss and we feel great and we never feel down. And that feels so out of reach to the women who are struggling with the way they look. It feels mm. like, well, I'm never going to be like them because I'm never going to be in a position where every single day I feel like, you know, the bollocks. So, you know, for Danny especially, to be there as this truly beautiful woman that you and I see Sarah and Danny will look back mm -hmm. at photos of herself in 10 years time and go oh yeah actually I see what they I mean now I was an um, absolute babe exactly um, <laughs> but yeah I think for us to be able to see somebody who is utterly gorgeous and say but you know what just like everyone else I have my days where I struggle even that really helps I think for people who are yeah. having a hard time with whatever they look like whether it's hair loss or something else yeah mm -hmm. I'm really glad that you are there Danny for like because my daughter is just about to hit the age where she's going to be looking to social media and starting to pick herself apart because that's what little girls do and we need more Dannys out there so <laughs> bravo you um speaking of which please where can we find you on the media of social platforms <laughs> So for Instagram, it's at Danny J Makeup. For TikTok, it's at Danielle Gilbert 05. YouTube, Danny J Makeup as well. I do loads of like in-depth tutorials and stuff on that. I bet my daughter's watched it. She's oh, She <laughs> absolutely loves makeup tutorials. I did a bit of makeup artistry back in the day in one of the many lols in my TV career. <laughs> and so I've got quite good palettes knocking about still and I just let her play with them because I think it's wonderful and I don't think you're ever too young because actually it's really creative thing to do mm -hmm. you know some people are like oh don't let your daughter wear makeup I'm like she can wear makeup as she I mean I wouldn't let her go out with a full face of it like a beauty pageant <laughs> queen but I will find you and say have you seen Danielle I bet she'll go oh yeah I know her <laughs> And Lizzie, where can we find you? This is where I'm really feeling old because I can't talk to you about TikTok. I'm, I'm on Facebook, like old people. So <laughs> I am on Instagram and uh, Facebook and you just search for my name. I'm there as Lizzie Jackson Barrett. And I have a free Facebook group called the Courageous Women's Alliance, where I just bring fabulous women together to support each other in whatever way that might happen. 
and you're both are courageous, fabulous women. And thank you so much for coming on the big and for this episode, Not So Hairy podcast. We really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. You are just both epic and I'm so grateful. Thank you for being so honest and bringing such value to this episode. Really appreciate it. Thank you, girls. Thank you. Thank you. The Big Hairy Podcast is brought to you by The Beauty Works, an innovative and affordable hair, skin and cosmetics brand, which is dedicated to clean beauty and high performance. All of their products are 90 to 95% natural and vegan wherever possible, using quality, ethically sourced ingredients in advanced formulations for people who care about their health as well as the planet. In keeping with the BeautyWorks Clean Beauty Statement, the products contain no harsh chemicals or toxic ingredients, are free from parabens, dyes, petrochemicals and phthalates, and are not tested on animals. Join the BeautyWorks revolution and love the skin you live in by visiting thebeautyworks.co.uk or follow them on Instagram at thebeautyworks. That's BeautyWorks with an X. Thanks for listening to the Big Hairy Podcast. We'll see you next time.